This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apinov. Hey everyone, I am Andrew Apinov and you are listening to a new edition of We Spin Recipes. This is quite a special edition of the podcast for two reasons. One being that this is the last show in the year 2016 and by the way everyone happy holidays and the second is that uh, today's guest is someone who we hosted on this show already and what's more who was a guest of the very first episodes of this podcast almost two years ago uh, to be exact on january 13th 2014. welcome tommy darker the man who coined the term musicpreneur and just an amazing mind who never stops delivering unique music business and marketing ideas and experiments this time, Tommy is going to share it all about his new creative project and his work on uh, getting the new music in front of one million people. It's it's not just an ambitious goal, but a carefully planned strategies you are going to learn on on this show. Uh, there is also a page on Tommy's website where he started explaining the whole process and how exactly he is reaching one million people with his new music. Uh, you can find that link as well as a link to his Patreon page in the show notes at wispin.co slash WSR83. On that page you will also find a link to the first episode of Wispin Recipes where we have a, a fuller look into Tommy's background. So if you have never heard about Tommy before, I highly recommend giving that episode a listen. And for now, Tommy Daka, listen to the show in full to not miss any of the details. Tommy, welcome to Whispin Recipes once again. I'm thrilled to have you on the show again. Let me know how are you doing. And I'm, I'm so glad that you actually decided to get me back to the show. So thank you very much, Andrew, for that. Awesome. It has been an interesting year for you so far. You want to jump right into like summing up what you've been up to? Yes, sure. So far, the year has been full of um, my own projects. So I was relying mostly on creating new things and launching my new projects instead of promoting and um, sharing stuff. So people might have seen that I've been a little bit slow with sharing stuff online. But mainly what I was working on was two things. One, my own music, which is, in a summary, I decided not to launch another music album, but to launch a reality TV documentary series instead of an album where I showcase the process of creating a new style of music. And the other thing that I was doing was launching my own startup, which is going to be launched soon. I'm pretty sure we're going to talk about it in another yeah, podcast. Yeah, we, we should, yeah. But the startup is basically a place where everybody can ask questions about the music industry and receive answers from credible people and experts of the music industry. Sounds exciting. I can't wait to uh, find out more myself and to be able to share more on that. Uh, well, you so. know what? You're going to be one of these experts, credible experts that will be answering the question. So it's a lot of work for you to do. I am very credible. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, I really am excited because it's something that the industry is in need of, in my opinion. So that's awesome. Uh, on this very podcast, we're going to talk about your music and indeed why not to do a reality tv show instead of just a traditional album format so you you always um you, you've been great at finding interesting creative ways uh, 
for launching things. So this is a huge and exciting project. So the motivation of the story, first of all, is the fact that I've been a musician. I quit the army after seven years of being a professional uh, military policeman. I quit the army to focus on music 100%. I moved to London. I started playing shows and started recording more stuff. And um, I had quite a few successes. But I realized, having been in London, you know, as a citizen of London for the first time in my life, I realized that my music was simply not standing out. If I kept going with the same type of music, I would make interesting music, but it would still be a copy of other well-known British bands. Mm-hmm. My, my, my music style is, by the way, post-punk, like Joy Division or Depeche Mode or even Pet Shop Boys, right? So if I kept going the same way, then I'm pretty sure there would be a lot of bands that were doing the same thing and a lot of established bands like Depeche Mode that had done that before me. So the pain and the motivation at the same time was how do I stand out as a musician? How do I create something that is so unique as I am? And then something interesting happened. In my newsletter, I got a follower that was pretty high profile and I was not expecting it. It was Yossi Sassi from Orphan Land. Orphan Land is, by the way, probably the most well-known oriental metal band in the world right now. They are from Israel. Mm-hmm. And uh, Yossi is their co-founder. And when I saw him following me, I'm like, no, that's probably his manager or something. Mm-hmm. But then it was him. And we started talking. And we, came, we became good friends. And he came to London to be a speaker in one of, our, one of my events, Darker Music Talks. Eventually... We ended up spending a lot of time and talking in person, except for Skype. And he told me something I will never forget. He said, Tommy, you've got something, a very interesting mix going on. Why don't you take advantage of that? You are passionate about post-punk music, which is something people in the UK, in Belgium, in Germany would do. But also, you come from Greece, and you have all this ethnic background of weird rhythms and... uh, time signatures and uh, melodies and instruments. Why don't you mix your passion with your roots? Like we did with Orphan Land, and we created Oriental Metal, and we shared stages with Metallica and Guns N' Roses, selling out shows and headlining. And then it hit me. I had so much potential that was not taken advantage of. There was just a very simple way for me to stand out, just to refocus on my roots and who I am and where I come from. And married with what I was doing, what I was good at doing, or at least I hope I was good at doing. So that whole thing actually sparked the best motivation in me to get started with a very ambitious trip, which is kind of funny. That's quite a story here. But how did you start? Because let me explain here the origins of my questions here. So we are interested in hearing the details of the story, but I also want this to be kind of a, this kind of a case study for our listeners to try to follow, not exactly like doing the same kind of thing as you do. But mm-hmm. I know quite a lot of artists out there who have interest in mixes of styles and niches, but uh, oftentimes they just don't know how what to do with it. And they oftentimes artists stick to the traditional model and just doing like focusing on the main music genre they've got and not trying to mix in some other interests or influences they've they've got. So in your case, you've got an amazing idea. How did you start with implementing it? And how much time did it take you to make it come to life? 
well, how much time does it take? It's still going on. Right. You know, the right. process of, of reinventing your own sound and reinventing yourself by extension is not something that happens, you know, within a few months or even a few years. I'm pretty sure I'll keep going and exploring the whole thing for the rest of my life. And that's the interesting thing. I'm privileged enough to have come up with an idea that people have not been exploring commercially. So not only there is room for me to explore creatively, also there is room in the market and there is ways for me to explore it, you know, and see how far I can go in terms of commercial viability. And by all means, I'm, I'm all about the creativity, but I'm on the same time equally balanced. I want to find the, the commercial side of it. So that's why the reality documentary, you know, how it came to life. I wanted also commercial viability. Mm-hmm. Now, in terms of creativity, I still don't know. We're experimenting. We've been touring. We've been playing music with various local musicians. We've been interviewing people. We've been discussing and, and um, checking out dances and food and, and stories from local people. And this all triggered a lot of emotions in me. I found the groove you know, in traditional songs and all this helped me get inspiration and get some new ideas. I've been using my phone as a recorder, you know, as a recording <laughs> device to record my ideas. And I have so many of them, you know, there's around 200 ideas. And right now I'm in a phase where during the trip, I was disconnecting the dots. I was trying to disseminate the whole situation and try to bring it back now and connect all the dots and try to create something new. So at the moment, I'm just checking out everything that I've created so far. And I'm trying to put together as a concrete thing. Some things are working, some things are not working. I mean, if you're a musician listening to this, you're probably familiar with this, that reinventing yourself and creating something very original doesn't come in a day. So at the moment, I'm all about experimentation. In a few months, we'll keep going with the, with the trip. We we'll still haven't finished, you know, touring. But again, now, on the second part of my trip, I will be more ready to compose on real time music with other musicians. Because before, Mm-hmm. I was I was a little bit afraid. I hadn't performed or composed or jammed music, you know, with others before. That, yeah. that's, that's the catch. I left for a tour to compose music with other musicians, but I hadn't done that before. And it took a lot of mental effort to get over it. And the interesting thing is that if you don't take a trip like that, then you will never learn. And right now I feel so much comfortable interacting with other musicians. One of the, one of the key takeaways is that if you don't try to overcome your own obstacles and if you don't try to to collaborate with other musicians and share ideas with them and try then to synthesize from all these ideas then you will never truly create something beyond yourself mm-hmm. so far everything i was creating was uh, it had to do with me now because of my rich culture traditional culture it all had to do with the culture and people are culture so I had to learn how to interact with people so I can get access to this culture. I've not been living in Greece for, for the last seven years. So I've kind of lost touch with the thing that I grew up with. But mm-hmm. it's still in me. But I just had to rediscover it, reconnect with it. So it's an ongoing process. That's all I have to say. If anybody's composing music, electronic music, and they want to combine it with something else, I would advise people to check out within them, within their own selves, and see what's lurking in there, what's, what are the roots, how do they grow up with, and try to maybe connect what they're doing right now with what they used to do in the past, with who they are, whatever this might mean. And funny enough, 
when I'm composing music, the feeling that I want this music to have is basically somebody in the Balkans to mm. be in a car, returning back to their village, a village by the mountains. And while they're checking out the village, while they're approaching, to be listening to this music. I want my music to be the soundtrack for this person. You know, so in a way, if you live in a city and you come from a uh, rural place and in any country, when you're going back to your place, to the place where you grew up with, I want you to be listening to this music and I want this to be your soundtrack. So in a way, going back to your roots, this, this symbolize, this symbol. So, yeah, I'm not sure if I answered your this, question. This, this, I, I this, this, yeah. Here. No, I mean, you, you've brought up a number of uh, cool topics here. I, I like this visualization thing with uh, imagining who you're like, who you're create, you, creating music for. And this is a, a great, um, let's say, marketing tool as well, in my opinion, because you may be creating music for a completely different audience. But if you explain it to them, like who you created it for, like it's like you just caught my attention and interest and I'm not going to drive a car to a village in Balkans anytime <laughs> soon, but I'm definitely interested in taking a listen in a Spotify playlist on my computer just uh, doing my work. So it's that, that's a cool thing. I really like the whole idea of b- making something that is bigger than you and uh, here you are just not just... It's, it's not just a group of people, it's a whole culture and you sharing your your culture essentially as well with the world so that's there is a number of interesting aspects to it yeah so any any additional tips to those before we move on to some other topics any additional tips to those who haven't collaborated with anyone yet have you so it's clear that it worked out for you quite well working with other musicians but besides not being afraid to try working with others anything else regarding that topic any tip to those who are completely solo right now and uh, are just considering to do something with others? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, there's a lot of tips that I've discovered practically. I haven't finalized, you know, what I have in mind yet. So I cannot really tell you in hindsight what are the, my best tips. I can tell you things that are happening right now and they might be useful for, for others. So just a fun fact. Um, so far, in five months, I've collaborated with 150 musicians. Oh, man. And that is that is a big pool of creativity. There's a lot of people. We've been traveling 24-7, shooting with our cameras, everything that was happening, right? So the fact that we're late for a bus and we're running around to get it, you know, we can see it on camera. The camera is shaking like we're running. But on the same time, we had the chance to collaborate in amazing contexts like museums or like uh, monuments of Greece, where we were given the permission to go inside in these amazing acoustics and record music there. And context for me is very important. This is what I would let everybody know about. Context is very important. It's not just about the sound of your music, it's what surrounds your music as well. So the way that people associate the images or the videos, any optical acoustic material that people associate your music creations with, they Mm -hmm. play an important role about the perception of your music. So for me, Having this kind of nostalgia in your mind while listening to the music is something that I want to achieve. Also, making people dance with it and making the music catchy is also something that I want to achieve. So keep in mind, like, what kind of people are you creating music for? Initially, when I was creating music, right, when I was jamming with these musicians and interviewing people and collecting ideas, 
but I was not thinking about my market, right? So as I said, back then, I was disconnecting the dots. I had f- some ideas in my mind, but while I was doing it, I had no, no thoughts at all about the market. Now that I'm back in London and I've reassembled and I'm connecting the dots, now is the time where I start thinking about the context of music and what's around it. So keep in mind, when you're creating music and the creative process, which by all means, I'm a big fan of recording, documenting that creative process, but that creative process has very little to do with the final product. The final product has to do with the image, the sound, the video. It has to do with the audience. It has to do with commercial expectations. It has to do with somebody that might promote it. It has to do with a lot of things. So the final product is more like synthesis. Um, While in the beginning you have the thesis, antithesis, and then synthesis, you have something in your mind, thesis, then you go against it by collecting information and getting new inspiration, antithesis, and then at the end you're recollecting everything back and you put together something new, synthesis. So the thesis-antithesis thing might not be something where you, you might not need to think about the market. While during the synthesis side, you might need to think about the context and how people perceive your music. There is a lot of studies where they claim that if you put an, a, a random image next to a person reacting, then I'm pretty sure your brain will find a way to associate that, oh, this person is reacting to this image. And it's been found that, well, basically, people said, oh, look at this person, how good he is in uh, mimicking the expression of anger and the expression of hunger and the expression of this and that. Although the expression was the same, they just put different images next to this expression. And people find a way to think that, oh, this is anger. And then the same people thought, oh, this is um, hunger. So it's amazing. Our brain makes connections. The way we control the context around the music can also enhance or, or dilute the value of our own music. So this is very important. That's something that I learned along the way. That's a brilliant tip and insights, Rafa. Speaking of context, so the the whole documentary thing is is a is a way to give lots of context to the process of creation of music and to the future releases mm-hmm. of yours because it's one thing to just listen to something, but another being a part of the journey by watching the documentary. In your case, a practical question to you. So to anyone who is not necessarily releasing a documentary on a, on a TV channel, but is going on a tour or just an interesting project and uh, thinks, of, thinks of documenting it. So what's the kind of, do you have any kind of minimum requirements? So how many people it should take to, to film something like that? How, how, mm. how many people did it take for your team to do it? And uh, how maybe more complicated it is than people may assume. So how's the process of documenting it? Did it make the whole thing more complicated to you? Yeah, great question. So I'll start by saying that it's less complicated than people might think. So I didn't have a huge team. You know, obviously I'm not a millionaire and um, I didn't have so much. I didn't have a lot of financial resources for that. There was quite, you know, some money in the background because I, I was saving money for that. And then when I, fun fact, when I came back to London, I had 120 pounds in my account because for the last seven months I had invested, not spent, invested all of my money in the project. 
Now I'm fine back again, but I'm planning to go back and spend the rest of the money again back on the, on the documentary. And the whole thing started with just me trying to think as a lean startup, how can I achieve what I have in mind without overspending and using too many resources that I might not need at the end? How can I start with the minimum requirements? So the minimum requirements for that, I did a bit of research on production, on documentaries, and um, I saw that the minimum requirements are at least two camera people mm-hmm. with decent camera equipment. I checked out, I had a, a channel in mind, so I checked out what their requirement is in terms of camera and production. And then I conducted interviews. I have a small network um, of people, of graduates, film graduates, and um, I conducted interviews. And then I found three people. I wanted two people, but I also wanted people to, to have a fresh view and things and not to be tired. Mm-hmm. I was ready myself to spend 24-7 for five months on the project. And I did it, right? So I, I got no break. And eventually I had a breakdown. But that's yeah. another story. I realized that it's not doable and I reached my limits. And unfortunately, um, fortunately, it didn't affect negatively the whole thing. But for the camera people, I made sure that two of them were recording all the time. Well, the, the third person was on break. So this way there was cir- cir- circulation. Yeah. Um, I paid full-time salary, all of them, but I was in Greece. So imagine like things are way more expensive and more cheap in Greece than in the UK. Definitely. If I had the same budget in the UK, that would be impossible, yeah. basically. So I was just lucky to, to come from a place where the salary, the expectation is much lower than the UK. So it started like this. And also I needed to be portable. I couldn't really carry my, my equipment, you know, my, my keyboards and everything else. So what I did is I bought a, an acoustic instrument, a small one, although I didn't know how to play it and I still don't know, but I'm trying. And uh, also I got a MacBook Air, the small one, the light one, so I can use it for maybe production or recording some ideas. I had to have a powerful computer with me. And I got some, um, a small camera with a tripod for, for vlogging. I got a Zoom H6 for recording on spot. And this way we started recording our first music. So would add Zoom H6 on a tripod and we could also have four more extra channels so we can add up some microphones if we want to record live a song with six different channels. So that was really great. And also I had some lapel mics, you know, and equipment so we can have a good sound and everything else. It was the camera guys that brought it, you know, lights and cameras and some extra recording sound equipment. So that's all I had to do. I mean, the average, the, the cost of the laptop, the camera, and the sound recording equipment, I think it was around 2,000 pounds. Mm-hmm. So it was not really much. Oh, and probably 200 pounds more for the instrument. Clear. Uh, and uh, any feedback on the actual process? So uh, maybe you found that people in, the, in some interesting territories you've been exploring uh, mm-hmm. were not comfortable on camera, for example, or anything like that? So how, how is it? It's, it's a very interesting question. By the way, I would just like to give away the whole expenses so far with the salaries and the travel expenses and everything else, uh, the, the, the permits we had to, to pay for. So the whole thing so far has cost around £10,000. So it's not really much in terms of an investment, you know, for a... It's a good um, investment, for, yeah. Yeah, for a reality show that yeah, will yeah, be on yeah. TV. So awesome. in terms of the insights, I love this question because it has to do with expectations versus reality. You know, if you watch 500 Days of Summer, the movie, 
it's like the guy was expecting to go in the party and meet the girl and everything to be smooth and whatever. For me, I'm quite the opposite. I was expecting to be at the party and people to hate me and people to uh-huh. not be open to talk to me. That was my initial standpoint. I was not trying to be negative. I was just trying to expect the worst. Yeah. <laughs> and so if, if people actually do like what we do and uh, embrace us, then for me to feel okay about it, right? Yeah. But what I realized is that, at least in my country, I'm not sure about other countries and I would be eager to hear if people do that. But in my country, people embraced us so much that we hadn't spent any money on accommodation. We would always be taken care of and somebody would host us. People would fix us with beautiful hotels and I can show you a few pictures. I can send you pictures to include if you want to. But the hospitability of Greece was just a major success factor. The fact that people helped us, they introduced us to others, they fed us, they gave us a place to stay. And that was the biggest bet. I was not sure if people would appreciate what we do because it's the camera because we are not living in Greece. But I saw that if you carry a camera and you have an ambitious project, people, first of all, they like being on camera. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't know yeah. that, but they love being in front of a camera. So if you go like, we're creating a show for TV, people would love that. And on the same time, if you create something bigger than yourself, it's something that people don't encounter every day. So when they see it, I suppose that they would feel intimidated maybe, but they actually don't. Well, nobody did. This is not coincidence, probably. Nobody did feel intimidated. They all wanted, they craved to be a part of something bigger, something inspiring, something that they don't see every day. And I'm pretty sure if you go back and think about it, people have their routine, they have their daily life, they have things that they expect to see every day. If something happens that is a positive thing and they don't see it every day and it's a one-off chance for them to participate, or else it's gone and they're not going to see it again, then probably they're going to jump on board because of this you know, time-limiting factor and the fact that they want to break their routine and have something interesting to say to their friends or even do and maybe get inspiration real time, people will be a part of that. And I realized that because it worked the same way for, for all five months of touring. Yeah. So that's an interesting insight. I'm yeah. pretty sure wherever in the world you might be, if you create something inspiring and talk about it and you feel so passionate about it, people will see right through you. They will believe in you. And I'm pretty sure if you ask them to participate and it's something that they are not doing every day, then probably they're going to say yes. They have no reason to say no. And that's the interesting thing. It all comes out of collaboration and people being interested in helping. That all comes down to being a human. Yeah, that's, you know, such an inspiring and reassuring point here, which I hope will inspire some of our listeners. There is hope in humanity, to... man. There is yeah, hope. Yeah, that's, that's true. That's, that's awesome. Brilliant. Where is uh, the best place to to monitor this exploration and creative process of yours and learn more about the documentary once it's out? Obviously, we're including different links in the show notes to your Patreon page and so on. But what's the best place to keep track of? The best of? place if you want to receive a pilot episode, the first episode we had to get updates, you can go to www.kenofania.com. Dot com. You will include the link. Yep. It's Kenofania with a PH. And also, I'm sharing the process, the actual process, on my own website. So you can go to www.tommydarker.com. Tommydarker.com. I'm sharing 
and breaking down the whole process step by step on how I did it. And hopefully at the end, I will have reached one million fans with my new music. And that's the whole point. I'm not doing this for the money. I'm not doing this for the deals or sponsors or whatever. My mission is to actually reach one million people with a very unconventional album, music album release, let's say. So if I do that, I'll be able to to fuel my business model and I will have even more case studies to showcase and teach to my students on, on the university. What I can say at this point, we are definitely going to have another chat with you on this show <laughs> sure. uh, closer to the to the point where you reach the goal or after that because i'm as confident i'm confident in you let's say so i know that you, 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 you can achieve uh, a lot so i'm we are keeping an eye on everything that you do thanks a lot for sharing news uh, definitely looking forward to learning more about the startup but more on that later for sure So yeah, uh, thank you a lot, and it's it's been a pleasure to hear the stories from you. Always a pleasure talking with you, and you inspire me as well. I'm really glad to have you in my life as a friend, and thank you for being my supporter as well. I think you support me on Patreon, right? Yes, I, I am. <laughs> it's, it's a thank small you, pledge for, so it's kind of, I, I don't, it feels... It's the fact that you actually want to practically support that matters, it's not how much you support with. So thank you. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening and thanks to Tommy once again. As usual, all the details are in the show notes uh, with this very episode at wispin.co forward slash WSR83. If you have questions or feedback, please leave a comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. It will be hugely appreciated. In the meantime, thank you once again and Happy New Year! You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin 12.